So if you got your Bibles, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 to 20. And this is going to be a little bit different than what we've kind of been diving to, uh, diving into the past few weeks. We've laid some strong theological stuff down. Some uh, we've dealt with some really big words around here, uh, if you will. Last week we, or the past two weeks, we've been challenged by looking at the um, the prodigal son, the father, and and the older brother. If you haven't been here these past two weeks, I would encourage you to get onto our podcast, um, onto our website, and you can get the messages from the past few weeks, so you can get kind of caught up. Uh, this morning, I'm going to jump off in a different direction, and, and, and I'll connect this in a minute, but I think one of the issues that, that I'm concerned about, uh, some of the things that I see, especially in the generation that, that we live in, is this idea, um, or as I watch people kind of have their faith shipwrecked, if you will. I don't know if you've noticed this before, maybe you've been there yourself, but you've been maybe in this place, or I've had friends, or since being a pastor, I I just watch it all the time, where in one minute, in one moment, we're excited about what God is doing in our lives, where we we come to know Jesus, we say yes to Jesus, and maybe maybe at best it's an emotional moment, maybe you're in a service like this, and the band is going, and everything's moving, and and it's all awesome, and you get to the end of the service, and you're just like, like a little spider monkey on Mountain Dew, excited about Jesus, right, and all of a sudden you leave and Monday happens. Come on, how many, of you, how many of you had the case of the Mondays? But it's not just Monday like, oh, kind of bad day. It's like Monday life destroyed, right? And so we're all excited and my, my faith is charged and I'm energized and we hear testimonies of a young girl being healed and that's cool in church. But then when we get to Monday, the enemy of our soul loves to speak little whispers and that's not true. That, that's, that's fake. God can't do that for you. It's not possible in your life. Monday happens. Monday turns into Tuesday. Tuesday turns into Wednesday. Wednesday turns into 15 years later. How did I end up here? You know what I'm talking about? It's the shipwrecking of our faith. And many times there's these moments, in the, especially in the Gospels, where Jesus will paint this picture that seed is, is tossed, it's thrown onto these different types of soils, and you can see how the seed interacts. We've talked about this around here with, with the different types of soil, and it's this idea that the seed doesn't take root, or it gets planted and the cares of the world come along and they snuff it out. And all these different issues kind of uh, culminate to this idea of, of, of things being stolen from us, our faith being stolen from us. And... I want to submit to you this morning that the Bible actually talks really clear about it. And so I want to deal with this idea of shipwrecking our faith. What happens when Monday comes around? What happens when Tuesday comes around? What happens if you're sitting in here right now and you're feeling dry? What happens when you're sitting in here right now and all this is going and there really is nothing there? It's just kind of the motions of of, of faith. I go to church each week and I say hi to the same person each week and I read my Bible during the week and I look at it and I stare at it but all I'm thinking about is my grocery list and I have to pick up the kids and, and why doesn't he do the dishes more often and so on and so forth. The shipwrecking of our faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 is written to this man named Timothy, a leader, pastoring a church. Paul the Apostle is writing to him and wants to encourage him. Notice Timothy's in full-blown ministry. He's doing his thing. He's engaged. He's, he's going through the motions. He's doing the process. And Paul still needs to encourage him with this very same issue. And it helps us all realize something very important. And if you're writing notes this morning, I want you to write this down, is that none of us are beyond the shipwrecking of our faith. None of us. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing this thing. It doesn't matter how long you've believed in Jesus. There's a huge difference between believing in Jesus and following him. 
Massive difference. Notice he didn't want us. He didn't ask for us to believe in him. He asked us to follow him. Right? It's not like he's some spiritual Santa Claus or something like that. He's asked us to follow him. And so Paul is trying to, to, to encourage Timothy, don't let this happen to you. Let's, let's see what he writes. He says, this charge I entrust to you, verse 18. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. In other words, there was some stuff that was said over Timothy's life. There were some things that Timothy, Timothy was supposed to engage in. There was some purpose. There was some reason. There was some rhyme. Just as much as it is for your life. There's a reason that you're sitting here this morning. There's a reason that you have the gifts that you have. There's a reason that God is doing something in your life. There are some things that have been said over your life. And he said, so, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them, watch this, you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and good conscience. And by rejecting this, by rejecting these things, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to Blaspheme, so tied up in this, he's also talking about uh, what has happened to these two individuals and, and them at first having uh, this, this seemingly amount of faith, but then all of a sudden it's changed. They got roped into false teaching. They got roped into different, different things, much like we can. Culture stole them away. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so Paul's dealing with this issue. Do not allow your faith to be shipwrecked. So this morning as we continue on in our series, The Digital Gospel, I want to speak to you from the subject avoiding shipwrecks. As we look at the issue of shipwrecking our faith, will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray this morning that it would fall upon soft hearts, open minds. God, as we read your word this morning, I thank you first and foremost that your presence is here. And it's in your presence that we find freedom. And it's in that freedom that we live and move and operate and and, and engage everything you've called us to. So I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for these people that are here this morning. We could be a million and one other places, but we chose to be in your house this morning. So God, I pray that you would speak. We are listening. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I love the state of Utah. Any, any fans of the state of Utah? Love the outdoors. I'm an outdoorsy person. Um, more so than you could be when we used to live in Arizona. You can't do anything outdoors because it's pretty much just like living in hell. So um, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so when we, when we finally moved to Utah uh, to, plant, to plant this church, uh, I was excited. I, I, love to, I love to fish. I love to be outdoors. I love to camp. I love to do all those, all those different things. Uh, but that's a continuation from what I used to get to do during the summers as a kid. My parents are divorced. All my family is from Utah. We've got family from Ogden to, to Lehigh. And uh, when my dad moved back here after he got out of the Navy, um, we would come here every summer and then every other Christmas, every other February to, to be with my dad and visit and hang out with family and everything like that. And one of the things that we would do every summer is we would go to our cabin in Bear Lake. I don't know how many of you have been to Bear Lake, but it's oh, just an amazing place. We love it. Uh, we don't have that cabin anymore, unfortunately. But it was a fond memory of my childhood. Some of the things that we get to do, we'd be there for raspberry days, and, and we'd be there for the 4th of July at times, and just all kinds of amazing moments that I remember as a kid that are very near and dear to my heart. But one of the memories that I have is uh, we used to rent jet skis. 
they were just what my family just, we loved to jet ski together. We'd have a boat, we'd have the jet skis out there, and, and we'd just cruise around. And I remember this one time we had two jet skis, and I was learning how to drive this thing. And so my dad put my brother, Justin, and me on a jet ski, and I was driving, and then he got on the other jet ski, and then we took off out into into the lake. And so as we're driving around, we're starting to get a little bit crazy. And, and you know how guys do these things, right? There's like, a, like a, a second and a half of timidity, and then it's like game on, right? Like we go from never doing this to I'm now a professional, right? That's how guys operate. And there's just a really short window. For some of you, there is no window. You just believe you're a professional at all things. But in this moment, I was kind of getting, like I was getting underneath me. Okay, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And then all of a sudden, it was like, uh, time to engage this thing, right? I got to show my dad who the man is. And so I'm just a young kid, right? He's driving around, he's doing his thing. And so then I take off and I'm just driving around and I'm jumping his wake, right? And I'm, I'm looking for boat wakes and, and, and I'm just like trying to do all these maneuvers and we're spinning this thing and I'm trying to throw my brother off of it and just doing everything possible that we could just take this jet ski and go bananas with it. Well, what happened was, as I was tailing my dad, he goes this way and I do, I do like this really cool like MacGyver ninja move over the, over the wake and we jump and then I spin out this way and as I spun out this way, the wrist thing that's connected to whatever it's connected to, it's connected to the wrist bone, um, so sorry, this an ADD moment, it disconnects and it shuts down our jet ski as we had moved, maneuvered this way. So pops out and disc, and I didn't know what was going on because I'm really not a professional, okay? So it shuts down and we're just sitting there stalled out. Just, and when it, when it hits, like when it stops, it just pushes us into the water a little bit and then we stall out completely as my dad's still coming full throttle this way, right? And it was in this moment that everything like slows down, right? It just goes into slow motion. You're watching and the birds are like... <laughs> right, <laughs> like everything just changes in that moment, and we're watching. So the birds, and Justin turns and looks at me, <laughs> and I turn and look and watch my dad coming right at us, and you can see this just man just like, no. and so he pulls his so that it comes to a dead stop, but it just wasn't in enough time, and his jet ski comes flying over the top of ours, right? And you see little, like, the, he's a little man at this point, just like, just like, and flies off. We're both knocked into the, into the water. And it was in that moment, like, sheer panic takes place. My dad's leaping off of his jet ski. He's looking for us, and we can't find Justin and where, what's going on, what happened, and, 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 and it was that day that I had my first ever nautical accident. <laughs> you have to use nautical, because it just makes it sound better, Right? And although nothing compared to the Titanic, in my life at that age, it might as well have been the Titanic. Paul uses this picture to describe to Timothy what happens if you allow yourself to get caught up with the counterfeit life in this culture that we live in and get drawn away if we're not anchored in God's word. We can have a shipwrecking of our faith. And many of us have experienced moments just like that jet ski moment when it comes to our faith. One minute we feel like we're riding it. We're doing well. We've got this thing down. Come on, somebody. We, we understand what it is that we're doing, but in a moment something happens that we never experienced before, and we seem to not be able to, to come back from it, and collision takes place. There's a shipwrecking of our 
faith. Each one of us has to make the daily decision not to be influenced this way, not to be led astray by the cares of the world and the culture that we, not to be led into this place where we can shipwreck our faith. And so I want to deal with the how. I want this to be a really practical time for us this morning. See, we have to be the type of people that are passionate about living the type of life that has been designed by God. I think one of the greatest things that's missing in the generation that we live in when it comes to our faith is passion. Now, I'm not talking about extremism. I'm talking about passion. Because you can turn on social media and you can see a lot of seemingly passionate people. No, that's zealot. That's extremism. I'm talking about passion. Jesus had passion. Jesus loved people. Jesus, everywhere he went, it was, it was passion. I mean, could you imagine the intensity that was in this man? Could you imagine the intensity of Jesus to sit at a table of, of tax collector and sinners and to completely give a hand to the religious commodity and say, no, no, my life, I'm passionate about loving people. I won't let my faith be shipwrecked. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. When we remove reaching people from our lives, we are dangerously close to shipwrecking our faith. And so Paul wants to in charge Timothy, come on, keep this together, man. We've got, we've got some work to do. Listen, the gospel should lead us to both right understanding and right response in our faith. It's important to, to learn the Bible, but we also need to respond to it. Avoiding the shipwrecking of our faith comes down to the application of both realities in our lives. Paul was encouraging Timothy, don't allow your faith to be shipwrecked. Don't allow your life to be pulled in the direction of destruction. Here's the deal. Before we get into these points this morning, I feel like my mandate this morning is to encourage you. We've been challenging for the past few weeks. I want you to leave this morning encouraged. I want you, I want you to leave this morning with this mental picture, this nautical picture, if you will, of you standing at the front of your boat go, let's do this, right? That's the picture that I want us to have this morning leaving this place because sometimes you just need a good recharge. Sometimes you just need a good old-fashioned encouragement. Sometimes you need to be told, we can do this. We don't have to allow our lives to be shipwrecked. We don't have to allow our faith to be shipwrecked. God paid the ultimate price for you and for me so that we can engage, so that we can love, so that we can reach, so that we can do everything that he's called us to do. Don't allow your faith to be Shipwreck. So this morning I want to take a look at what causes shipwreck so we can avoid it. So over the past few weeks, I've studied shipwrecks. It's been fun. Looking at why shipwrecks happen. What are the normal causes, the everyday causes of shipwrecks? Like if you can boil everything down into like, that is why they had a nautical adventure. We can look at it and we can say, these are, these are some reasons for your atypical shipwreck. For those of us here in Utah that have no body of water surrounding us, Okay. But if you ever decide to sail somewhere, here you go. I'll help you in, in two ways. So, the first reason, ever shot number one for me? Number one. First reason that we find ourselves in shipwrecks is because of navigation errors. In other words, we get lost. 
We get lost. You ever been lost before? Come on, show of hands. Have you ever been lost before? The husbands are like, no, I've never been lost. What are you talking about? <laughs> never been lost. <laughs> Listen, shipwrecking our faith is more than not knowing Jesus. It's about when we know Jesus yet decide not to follow him. Did you hear that this morning? Let me say that one more time. Shipwrecking of our faith is more than not knowing Jesus. Because I think it's easy for us to go, well, I know Jesus, so I'm, I'm far from, from being lost. We look at ourselves in terms of like, I was lost and, and, and I was found. Yes, that's one aspect and of course of salvation that we've been talking about, even with the prodigal son as we've been dealing with that story. I was once lost, but now I'm found. But it's amazing how you can be found, and in the midst of being found, we have a tendency to put Jesus in the back seat and take the wheel. Right? The song was right. Jesus, take the wheel. That is an initiative that you and I need to engage upon sometimes, is to give him back the wheel. Because the funny thing about our faith is that it goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I'm lost. My life is in peril. Thank you for saving me. You're awesome. I got this. That quick. Little nanosecond of a window. You know what I'm talking about? Where it just clicks where we think, oh, we've, we've got this. And so navigation errors become one of the greatest reasons that we find ourselves lost. Listen to this. The essence of being lost. You can't be lost if you never knew where you were going. You can't be lost if you never knew where you were going. Paul, in essence, is saying to Timothy, please do not become a Christian atheist. Did you hear that this morning? Please do not become a Christian atheist where we know God, but everything in our life says otherwise. Where we know God, but we quickly find ourselves lost because we're not trusting the one who should be navigating our lives. I love the book of Psalms. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Listen to what it says in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Did you hear that this morning? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love that. We have a constant God who cares for us so deeply, each one of us, that he's made provision for each of us to be able to navigate Life, have you ever been lost before? See, the writer of Psalms is letting us know that we don't have to get lost in our journey through life and faith. We have the word of God, and it's a light in dark places. It's a guide in uncharted areas. This uh, past Friday, I took off into the mountains with my father-in-law um, to just go with him while, while he, he hunted. And... Um, and it was pretty, pretty amazing. We're out at the Starvation Reservoir area. I don't know how many of you have been out there, but when you get out there, there's, there's nothing out there. And, and then I question who lives out there, but that's another story. <laughs> and so we got out to the Starvation area, and we were, we were on the, the reservoir, and man, it was beautiful. We had our lamp set up, and, and I had my like headlamp on, and we're sitting around the fire, and, and, and the moon was, was coming out like before we went to bed, and I thought, man, that's, that's really beautiful. Well, Friday night, I woke up with some sort of weird stomach bug, so I was just throwing up everywhere. It was awesome. And, and as I was running, yeah, I know, personal picture, right? As I was running to the bathroom, I remember being distracted for like a, just a, a second when the moon was there, and I'm like, oh, that's a nice moon. Okay, and so, 
it's, it's the ADD in me. And so I'm just like, nice, right? And so, but what I realized in that moment is as I was running to get to this bathroom area, everything was lit up for me. That's how bright the moon was. It was amazing. I, could, I couldn't believe it. And, and it was in that moment that I realized, knowing that I was going to be talking about this this weekend, that is God's word. In the darkest of places, his word is still this amazing lamp unto our feet. As bright as that moon was, it lit up everything. And so many times we find ourselves in dark places wondering where Jesus is at. He's with us right here in his word. It is a light unto our path. And so navigation errors don't have to happen. Let's talk about why. Why do navigation errors typically happen? Well, one, because of pride. <laughs> I got this. I know where I'm going, right? All the ladies know, know this one. You guys are awful at this. You know all instructions and directions, right? <laughs> That's not true at all. Pride. Ego. Not Igor, ego. It's one of the greatest reasons that we face navigation errors. It's because we don't ask for help from the right person. Right? Have you ever been lost and then find that person you ask directions from and they don't know where they're at either? <laughs> Have you ever been there before? <laughs> like getting around in California is awful. Right, driving around, and then you find that person, you're like, hey, hey, do you know where this is? And they're like, no, I'm not from here either. <laughs> so you just have two people staring at each other, right? And just like, where are we? And that's what it is. That's how we deal with these navigation areas so many times in, in life. So we have a tendency to go ask the other people who are just as lost as we are. It's just a lesson in futility. Come on, anybody getting something out of this this morning? So the first reason that we face shipwrecks is because of navigation errors. The second reason, everybody shout number two for me. Number two, bad weather. Storms, right? I've never understood storm chasers. Like, I watch those people. Like, I'm a dude who loves adventure. But when I watch storm chasers, I'm just like, you're dumb. I don't know who got the concept. I think it was just a bunch of dudes, bad pizza one night, and they're like, hey, bro, <laughs> dude, I got an idea. Blow your mind. Let's drive towards a tornado. That'll be good. We'll call mom, selfie in front of the tornado. Hey, mom, look, it's that close. Makes no sense to me. These guys are insane, right? And I get it. Like, I watched Twister as well. We all want to see things go up in a tornado. I mean, that's the kid in all of us. I don't get it. But man, how many of you, let, let's just be real. Let's take it from, from real storm to a storm of, of faith. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever found yourself in a storm before? Right? How many of us have found ourselves in a storm in life? Come on, somebody. And we've been in these places where the storms of life are eating, they're tearing us apart. They're destroying everything. And here's the prayer we make. Jesus, take the storm away. And I want to submit to you this morning that his greatest plan is not to take the storm away from us, but to ride it out with us. We're praying the wrong prayers. We're dealing with storms in ways that we've never, why? Because we want easy faith. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. We shout other side. Come over, shout other side. Come over, shout other side. Where are they going? 
the other side. He said, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Obviously not. He's sleeping. And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They missed the point. They missed the point of this whole thing. They were still so focused on the fact that Jesus could tell the wind and the waves to lay down that they missed the question is, is whether he should tell the wind and the waves to calm down. Because to me, when I look at the story and Jesus is sleeping in the boat during a storm, he's trying to tell me something. You know what I'm talking about? He's trying to let me know. Don't worry, I got this. Remember what the promise was. Let us go to thee. Where are we going? Where are we going? Other side. He wanted them to know. We're going to the other side. He is faithful to his promises. But now a storm arises, and all of a sudden they're freaking out. Oh, my gosh, life's going to end. And what's Jesus doing? I could see Peter sitting over there. I'm like, guys, I don't know if we should wake him. I mean, these winds, and this is pretty big stuff. But should we wake him, guys? Should we wake him? Because remember, like, I really like this guy. He's sleeping. And I can see the other guys. Just wake him, Peter. You're the one who's going to do stupid things in the future. So just wake him, right? <laughs> Yeah, you right. So we go over there, and so he wakes him up, and, and Jesus is like coming out of it, like his sleep. And because remember, he's sleeping in the middle of the storm. And what we need to understand is, if he's asleep in the in the storm, we should take a cue. <laughs> Many of us allow storms to break us because we give more power to the storm than we do to the one who can say stop to the storms. See, we have to understand something, that storms are a part of life, but storms do not have to shipwreck us. Storms happen for a lot of different reasons, but the main ones that are found is, one, because of the world that we live in. We live in a broken, sinful, messed up world. So there are storms that are going to that are going to come upon our lives, and some of us face greater storms than, than others. I also found out that storms happen in our life because of our own dumb decisions. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? And the funny thing is, is a lot of us ask Jesus to take those storms away. A lot of the storms that we face are the ones that we've created, and then we ask him to take away the very thing that we've created. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Say, like, God, I did this, but please take it away. I won't do it again. <laughs> it's like those of us who get pulled over. We were speeding. We know that we were speeding. And then you're praying to Jesus. Oh, God, please, don't let him give me a ticket. Don't let him give me a ticket. Don't let him give me a ticket. And he gives you a ticket, and you're like, why, God? <laughs> it's called natural repercussions. You broke the law. <laughs> well, what do I do? Stop breaking the law. <laughs> You'd be good. <laughs> Whatever the cause of the storm is in your life, you have to realize that there's a God who cares, who's got a, a God who's made a way by his grace for you. 
And what we need to understand about our storms is that God is not off in the distance pointing and laughing at our storm. He's asleep on the boat. A storm doesn't have to destroy you. It doesn't have to shipwreck you. And one of the greatest, most central messages of the gospel is not the removal of storms from our life, but rather the connection that happens between us and God in the midst of our storms of life. But we ignore that. We've got a very Western, very American mindset when it comes to the storms of life. I dare you to do a study, Old Testament to New Testament, from the front to the back. Do a study of tribulation. Do a study of trials. Do a study of storms. And please somehow arrive at the place where we think it's supposed to be okay and perfect our entire life. It's not. The promise is that we wouldn't go through a storm. No, no way. The promise is that we'll go through a storm. But the greater promise is that he'll be there in the midst of the storm. We got to stop thinking that we're going to be stormless and start driving into the storms of life knowing that he's right there in the boat asleep with us. And we wonder why the gospel doesn't have effect in our generation. It's because Christians back, like everywhere are going like, little storm, oh. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to (laughs) die. I am not worried about this election. Oh, this is just a a naive passive. Jason, you've got to make sure that you understand the facts. Look it, i got a fact that's bigger than all the facts. i got a fact right here from the front to the back that we win. And at the end of the day, I can stand in the midst of my storm. I can stand in the midst of what's going to happen. I can stand in the midst of a bad economy. I can stand in the midst of certain things happening in my life. Whatever comes, whatever may come, I've got a king on the throne and he's there for me. We got to start standing in our storms a little bit better. Listen to this. There is enough grace in God's heart to save and keep us safe for time and eternity. Every sinner that has ever lived or will, and then enough left over to save a million more universes full of sinners where there's such and then some more. There's enough grace available to give every saint constant victory over sin, and then some more. There's enough grace to meet and to cope with all the sorrows, headaches, heartaches, difficulties, temptations, testing, and trials of human existence, and more added to that. God's salvation is an oversized salvation. It is shockproof, stain-proof, strain-proof, and unbreakable, all-sufficient. It is equal in every emergency, for it flows from the heart of an infinite God, freely bestowed and righteously given through the all-sufficient sacrifice of our Lord on the cross. Salvation is all of grace. Trust God's grace. It is super abounding grace. I wrote that. It's a gigantic long run on sentence. I get it. Will the team come up here? We have to learn not to navigate from fear. We have to navigate upon promise. Listen to James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy when you meet various trials. The problem with our modern faith is that it's become about the pursuit of safety. 
pursuit of safety. See, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And some of us have said, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine right here on the shore. What if there's a storm? And some of us will never know the power of God like he wants us to know it because we're simply okay with sitting on the shore. God hasn't called us to the shore. He's called us to the sea. And number three, the last one is this. The third nautical error that we find. The reason for shipwrecks is overloading. I call it baggage. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what Jesus was addressing was the fact that so many times we allow ourselves to become heavy and bogged down with baggage. Return your neighbor and say, we're talking about baggage. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what's your baggage this morning? (laughs) Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's none of your business. (laughs) See, we carry this baggage everywhere we go. Then we accumulate more and more. If we don't do something with that baggage, it causes us to be weighed down and shipwrecked. I'm a horrible bagpacker person. When we go on trips, I'm worse than my wife. It's awful. She can pack this little compartment, and I have options. She's like, what's your, what's your deal? And I'm just like, I don't know what I'll feel like that day. So I know what it's like to carry her in heavy, heavy luggage. Have you ever seen those people that even pack for trips, and they just got all the bags, like all the bags everywhere? Like, did you go to TJ Maxx and literally take all of their bags and then bring them on this journey with you? Oh, I'm just traveling for a few days. Right. We stayed with all this baggage. We bring in baggage from past relationships. We bring in baggage from hurts. We bring in baggage from pain. Another one that I'm starting to realize that is overloading people is the, ba- the, the baggage of busy. More so than anything, because we actually we are. We're getting okay with like dumping off other things. But man, I've, I've watched it. I've watched it in this generation. The baggage of busy. You know, another one is the baggage of comparison. I carry this baggage around a lot, for sure. I understand this one. So we've got the baggage of busy. We've got the baggage of comparison. We've got the baggage of hurt. We've got the baggage of pain. We've got all this baggage. And then we're like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go on this journey with you. And he's like, this is a small boat, bro. You best be putting some of that down. But you don't understand. This is me. And he's like, no, it's not. That's not you. No, no, but it is. This is, this is my stuff. And he's like, well, actually, it's my stuff. I kind of took it when I was in the cross. So put the baggage down. It's a small boat. No, but I like my baggage. I don't care if you like your baggage. I died for your baggage. Put it down. No, but I really want my baggage. You don't understand because if I, t- if I get rid of this baggage, I lose a piece of my identity. That's all right because your identity is supposed to be in me. Put down the baggage. 
The boat is small, and so we, we, we decide to fight Jesus over this. And at a certain point, Jesus relents and says, okay, come aboard with all your stuff. And then we wonder why the ship is sinking in the middle of the storm, because he told us to put the baggage down that is causing us to sink. And he stands there going, you ready to drop the baggage? You ready? We face some of the things that we don't have to face because we fought Jesus on whether we could bring this baggage on the journey anyways. So for some of us this morning, you've got to nicely put your baggage down. Look at it. Stare at it for a second. Do whatever you need to do. I really like that bag. It's a nice bag. But all right. In the middle of a shipwreck, one of the first things that starts happening is they start tossing baggage overboard. They start tossing the things that weigh the ship down overboard. And some of us need to do that today. Because some of us feel like we're on a sinking ship. And the only reason it's sinking is because we decided to bring our baggage on this journey that he never asked us to bring anything he just said, come as you are. Come as you are, okay. Cool, my baggage. What's up, Jesus? Now drop it. Because I saved you where you're at, but now I want to take you to a new place. Let us go where? Let us go where? Let us go where? Drop your baggage. Drop your baggage. Some of us allow our baggage to be the very thing that defines us. Philippians 3, verses 3 through 7. For we are the circumcision. We'll talk about that in another message. Who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And watch, we put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence... In the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, whatever stuff I had, whatever baggage I had, both positive and negative in here, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. When it comes to our baggage, God is a respecter of no baggage. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your financial level. It doesn't matter your pain. It doesn't matter your brokenness. It doesn't matter about any of those stuff. He says, all aboard. Get on the ship. We're going to the other side. I should have just named this message, hello from the other side. Like, <laughs> Come on, would you stand to your feet with me?